iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Wealth Management Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.isharers.com to learn more. S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data, and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Industries are unaffiliated entities. Hello, all. I am Navia Jenkins-Johnson. I'm the senior conference producer working with um, with wealthmanagement.com in, in all things, uh, Wealth Management Edge, Retirement Income Edge, specializing in inside ETFs and wealth stack. And I am very excited to be jumping, jumping into hosting um, duties for the wealthmanagement.com Visionaries podcast. Thank you for joining us. Margarita, I am just so pleased to be able to uh, invite you as an honored guest to the wealthmanagement.com visionary series podcast. This is a very personal one for me, right? Because I think that we know each other very well, but we kind of immediately connected. And, um, and so I wanted to really offer um, our audience, the value that I've received from our relationship. And I want to start out by introducing everyone who does not know Margarita Chang, who's, I mean, that's no one, right? Everyone knows you. Um, but I want to do a quick introduction and then give you a moment, you know, talk about your your current role and a little bit of your of your history. So we know your chief executive officer for Blue Ocean Global Wealth, and that's been about, you know, 10 years but talk to us about the journey. Talk to us about what led you here and why you're so passionate about what you do. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is truly an honor and I'm so excited for our conversation. I think that I think that our our audience will be able to benefit um, from the the ways that you've been able to really create balance and craft a a personal brand that is truly authentic and is focused on your personal goals and still, you know, still, still producing in terms of, of all of the ROI that we, we consider important. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you did before Blue Ocean. What was, what was your past in, in terms of financial services in general? So sure, I think it's important to take a step back. So I am the first one in my mom's side of the family to graduate from a four-year university. And so I graduated with a double degrees, East Asian language and literature and finance. And I truly believe I'm one of those people who is both right brain and left brain. So if someone asks me, hey, I really need to know how standard deviation works, I will teach them how to calculate that. But if someone says, you know what, I really don't care. Can you just tell me what I need to do? I can explain things to them in a, a way that is respectful, caring, empathetic, and engaging. So I knew like... I, all, I didn't really know about the separate distinct discipline of personal financial planning. My first job was writing this newsletter out of school for English-speaking investors. And I did that in my 20s. And something felt missing. And I said to myself, this is really important about the journey. I recognized that people, even though I was one of those kids going 17 on 40, I was like, who in the world is going to take me seriously 
what do I know about retirement? So I worked really hard to help my husband with his career pass the CPA exam, get our financial house in order, pay down his student loans, credit cards, buy a house, have two kids. Then I was like, you know what? I feel like I have some street credibility. That's when I joined a, a large firm and I intentionally picked this large firm because they had a focus on planning. Listen, I know that we must invest and encourage our clients to invest to reach their goals, but I didn't just want to work for some place that was just focused on assets under management. And I know, particular for people from diverse multicultural communities, risk management insurance is really important, but I didn't want to just work somewhere where it was all about insurance. I believed in planning. So I worked there for 14 years. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like the world is shifting. Where I am is not a bad place. It's not. I love working in the profession. No buts. And remember I studied East Asian language and literature and finance. I like working in the profession, but there's a lot I want to do to help the profession. So I want to work in the profession and on the profession. Mm. And that's when I realized, you know, it's very, very scary. I'm a very quiet person. People must have thought, oh my God, she's so impulsive. I thought about it. I thought about it. I wasn't rash. I planned. Remember, I'm a planner. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to start my journey to independence and launch my own firm. So that's what I did. This is, you know, I, I love this. I love the the question of the journey. And it's something that I, I generally include in my conversations, especially in the initial conversations, right? We know wealthmanagement.com and specifically our events are successful because of the because of the connections that we have with people like you, right? And so what we're what we're trying to do is get your knowledge and your experience and then put that um, on the on the front stage. So I think that the journey um, to running your own firm, and aligning those initial interests, right? You talk about uh, a focus on sort of cultural experience and the importance of diversity. And you said working on the business, right? As well as working in the business. I think about that and I thought of you as the perfect example, in my opinion, of how to create the space that you'd like to see. And so I want to ask a little bit for everyone who, uh, and I think that's anyone who has a perspective that's a little different, that stands outside from perhaps what people see every day in financial in, in the financial industry. What can we do to create those spaces? What can we do to create real balance? And, you know, perhaps use our differences as our superpowers, right? Um, so you mentioned being quiet, that you're sometimes considered quiet. Can you tell me how you're able to work in this industry and really at this point are both a pioneer and a veteran and have a voice that maybe some would consider quiet and yet have it be so bold and have it and and find success in rooms where, you know, it may be hard to hear your voice spoken um, um, out loud. What what have you done to to create that space for yourself and use that quiet voice to 
kind of make make a greater impact. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for the question. I mean, this is always evolving and I know it can be scary. Believe me, I think that there's going to be some times where I may want to speak up and out. And there's other times where I may not want to speak up and out, not because I'm shy, not because I'm scared. I just really need that time to reflect Mm. so I can be really concrete. I think the number thing that all of us can do is open our hearts and minds. I know it sounds silly, but when I think about when I decided I wanted to become a financial planner, my son, I'm serious. When I went on interviews, I just gave birth to Christian July 13th. I was interviewing, I don't know, around October, between September and October. So it didn't look like I just had a baby. I I was kind of scared to tell people that I didn't just have a baby, but I have two babies. I have a three, (laughs) almost a three-year-old and almost a six-month-old. At that time, um, Christian was like maybe three months old and Serena was maybe like not even quite two and a half. So I would say the first thing that all of us can do is expand um, our minds as to what we think a financial, a successful financial planner looks like, right? Uh, and, And as well as think about what skills we value in a financial planner, like good listener, hardworking, attention to detail, patience. Well, guess what? A mom is that too. Anybody can be that. So I'd say the first thing that we can do is open our minds, right? The second thing that we can do is understand that, yes, there are rules. And just because my journey is different for yours or I come from a different background, doesn't mean that I can't relate or connect with you and vice versa. I always look for, I think this is the power of growing up in a multicultural, multiracial, ethnic family. You're always like adapting and you're able to relate and connect with your family. It might not be perfect, but remember it's family. So I think that's important. And then the times when I was quiet, it wasn't so much that people doubted me. Sometimes I doubted myself because I didn't see anybody like me. So my North Star was and is, I truly believe financial planning transforms lives. You can call me at three in the morning and I'm going to say financial planning transforms lives. And I (laughs) truly believe that everyone deserves access to competent ethical advice. Those are my North Stars. And I think when you're sincere and genuine and even when times were tough and people told me, hey, you're too quiet you're not aggressive enough. Hey, Margarita, you know what? You're you're a lousy financial advisor. Your whole problem is you spend too much time asking questions, listening. You're really lousy at sales because you spend so much time listening and building relationships. You don't know how to ask for the sale. And that is true. I was a little bit scared about asking for the sale because I didn't want to be perceived as that aggressive salesperson. But once did I realize that financial planning is about helping people, it's like a light went off. It was transformational. So gosh, I know I said a lot there, but what all of us can do is um, open, be open. And the other thing for those of us who are trying to make a way, there's going to be times where you want to speak up and out. And there's other times where you just want to be quiet. So there was a time early on in my career where I felt like it was okay to advocate for myself. It was a little bit scary, but I was like, you know what? I, I have to do this. And As an example, 
some people said, well, how can you be successful? You got these two kids. And I was really quiet. And I said, you know what? You should be glad I have these two kids. Like, I don't need to stop and get pregnant. They're not going anywhere. Somehow I have to make this work. But it's not that. And I want to give these people a pass. I don't believe that they were intentionally trying to be mean to me. So you you have sometimes people are curious and sometimes people say things like, well, how can you do that? It's not that they don't think you can do that. They genuinely are curious. So in this case, I really wanted to give people the benefit of doubt. So my motivation to continue to work in the business and on the business is I really do want to make it, I do want to make it easier for the people who come after me and behind me because I want them to know that, yes, women, moms, people returning from the military, people from underrepresented communities and backgrounds whose stories may different can succeed in this profession. We need you. We need people because money's personal and as those stories help us connect. Oh Margarita, this is this is exactly why uh, I wanted to take the time to speak with you today. I think it is it's important to learn how we can both be ourselves how we can be uh, individual and represent our principles. And so I wanted to ask a little bit as you were speaking really about some of the challenges, right? Some of the, the, the challenges that come up or what look like challenges in the very beginning. So maybe for you, you know, um, it was perception. It was the perception that if you were a mom, especially a mom with two two youngsters, that you wouldn't be able to connect or to, you know, really be productive in the way that we're expected to be productive at work. How, how can our audience see potential challenges, right? Because you, you, you were able to turn that around and say internally for yourself, I am already using the skills that would make me successful in this industry, listening, connecting, being um, an advocate, being focused on a, a sort of a customizable, personalized approach to advising that I think is absolutely needed and makes the difference today. How can we use personal challenges or what may look like obstacles and actually turn them around. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. So I do think about a lot of my limitations early on. And (laughs) as I reflect, I'm like, oh my goodness. So for example, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I certainly don't know how to play golf. I don't have very good (laughs) coordination. And I actually didn't really know much about sports. So I didn't know about like American football. And I, I learned a lot and I learned to really love basketball and March Madness. So sometimes it, people may say um, with team building exercise in the office, I didn't feel like I understood what was going on. And sometimes I didn't feel that I fit in. I don't think people intentionally excluded me. But we think a lot, and I understand this is 99, 2000, 2001. In some ways, it's not that long ago because I feel like this happening. So I think it's important to have different opportunities for people to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I'm an introvert. I told you quiet. Sometimes just because I may not want to go out somewhere doesn't mean that like I'm antisocial. It, mm-hmm. I'm happy like having a conversation with you, um, talking about a movie, talking about music, like one-on-one. So I think that when we also talk about limitations, it's, it was hard for me to like network at night, right? That's a negative, but what's a plus? A plus is I recognize that my first job out of school, um, I wrote a newsletter for English speaking investors. So the plus is I like to write. And the plus is also leaders eventually did come around and support me uh, because I followed certain protocol. Like I wouldn't write anything and put it out there without asking permission. And so people recognize that, okay, maybe it's not appropriate for maybe Rita isn't like the best networker at night and can't go to like happy hour and these types of events, but she can blog and write and create educational materials and engage with people in a different way. So I think I do recognize that I did have limitations, but I also have strengths, meaning I'm quiet. I also bought my own laptop um, because I wanted to, at that time, laptops weren't provided to every advisor, I'm a partner. I saved money. So I bought myself a laptop so that I could do my fan- financial plans at night and I could be people or phones during the day. So I could meet people for coffee instead of lunch or meet people for breakfast instead of happier. So it was, yes, no doubt there's things that I couldn't do, but instead of focusing on what I couldn't do, focus on what I can do. I can meet for coffee. I can meet for, for lunch. I can blog and, and write and, and, and connect with people um, and, and share stories. So I think that there was a period in time where I was like a little bit nervous, uh, you know, about sharing what it's like to be from Gen X, caring for aging parents and relatives, as well as caring for kids. And I realized it is okay for me to share these stories, not because I think I'm so great. It makes me more relatable and people can see oh she's human remember people do business with those they like and trust and they will like and trust you if you're authentic of course but most importantly if you're relatable if there's something you connect so that was like really helpful to me I love hearing about the importance of being someone that is likable and trustworthy and you're absolutely right that this is a this is a kind of a superpower in terms of hitting our business goals in terms of being productive because our clients need to trust us right especially as as, as financial um, advisors and being in the financial services industry can you tell me a little bit about what you have seen to be some of those you know some of the most important traits for connecting with clients with for establishing trust what does what does your experience in terms of aging parents as you mentioned we talk a little bit about the sandwich generation for everyone um out there who's interested in retirement planning we you know we know that you may have children and also be looking after your your parents and 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 advancing age you will be speaking at the Retirement Income Edge Conference in December um, in Nashville, Tennessee. 
can you tell me a little bit about what you would, you know, share from your own experience and from your own work, right, with clients? What has been, what's been the most important to gain trust, especially when it comes to retirement planning? I think the first thing when it comes to building trust is to recognize clients are coming to you because they want help. It's really important. I know this sounds so silly, but just to create a safe, inclusive, judgment-free zone. So what I, and I can be really concrete. In some communities, it may seem a little bit selfish to save all this money for yourself when everyone else may be struggling. Now, I know that the best thing that we can do for ourselves is take care of ourselves for self-care. But in some communities, that can be perceived as being a little bit selfish. So it's really important that we remove shame. If you see a client who maybe needs to be saving more for retirement, other goals, and you notice that there's um, expenditures, don't make it an interrogation. They may be helping family with medical expenses. They may be helping a relative, family, friends with um, costs associated with higher education, not necessarily paying their tuition, but book money, these kinds of things. So the first thing is it's important that we as advisors don't impose our values on others. Uh, I can be honest here, like the pandemic was very hard um, on my family. My husband is from Indonesia and his mom died, not from COVID, but because of complications from COVID. She was not able to leave Indonesia to go to Malaysia or Singapore for treatment for diabetes. What does that have to do with anything? Indonesia was hit very hard. I know I'm a CFP pro. I send money to my children's nanny. Now, I'm a planner. I'm sharing that. So if you're working with people from a diverse multicultural background, it's really important to just allow them to speak, allow them to verbalize and vocalize their concerns. Um, like, don't interrupt their flow, right? Because you'll learn so much from their flow. And sometimes just creating that space, time is precious, time is money, but sometimes just creating a space where you're just listening to people is so valuable. Sometimes on the phone, people will be like, Rita, are you still there? I'm like, yeah, I didn't want to interrupt. Like, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. Um, I think that that is something that is incredibly important. And I would say that's something I'm really proud of. Um, I know that we can't be all things to all people, but even if you give someone 15 minutes, remember I said, I'm really passionate about ensuring that people have access to competent ethical advice, even if it isn't the right season for them. Even if I am not the right planner for them, because I focus on planning first, it's not about being a people pleaser, but I really want their interaction to be helpful and meaningful so they have, so they understand the power of what financial planning can do for them, even if the timing isn't right. So I do hope I answered the question. That's what I really care about. Like, I want my legacy to be that, like, that I helped people access that advice. And for people who wanted to break into the profession, I, I don't want them to survive. I want them to thrive. Oh, absolutely. I think that you definitely answered my question and you've given financial advisors so much to think about. 
in terms of the the um, importance of some of those uh, skills we we sometimes call soft skills, but can really make the difference um, both in in client you know retention and as we talk about and look at retirement, even in the 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 transition perhaps from the original uh, decision maker to um, the wife or to the children and can really be a part of your ongoing success as a firm, uh, making sure that you are uh, focusing on the future, right? Um, So I wanted to make sure that I asked a little bit about what it means to work with clients who may be in the process of that transition, what 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 will it mean for advisors to perhaps be speaking or uh, uh, making decisions with the wife or making decisions with with children of the original um the original client? What skills do 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 we need to focus on as we make some of those transitions and work with uh you know a new generation or or with the 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 number the great number of women who will be managing um, a large number of assets in in just about ten or fifteen years, even more so than they are today. Well, the first thing I wanted to say is I truly believe it's never too early to plan, and I believe it's never too late. So you asked a question about like sandwich and multi generational. As you know, I'm not the type of person that is just going to engage in conflict for the sake of conflict. I am not going to say anything bad about another advisor, another firm. Uh, This is a true story. I've shared it before. It is okay to share it again. So I was working with a daughter who's from Generation X. She's my contemporary. And her parents had a financial advisor. And I didn't press the issue. I, I didn't say, hey, what about your parents' financial advisor? But one day came and she said, you know what? I was with my parents over the weekend and my dad wants to meet you. And I said, sure, I'm happy to talk to him. At this time, her father was 70. Mom wasn't quite 70. She's 60. So they're 60 and 70. He's like, I realize I wanted to make a change. I see everything that you've done for my daughter. And it's not that our current advisor is bad, but I know that there may be a day when I'm not here. And I want to know that my wife is being taken care of. So I met the couple, they became clients. And over time, I was always respectful. I always included both the husband and wife. And then um, I have shared this story before because I, it's so profound. And I want everyone to really understand this. She's a school teacher. She's very passionate about education. So we share that passion. But she didn't necessarily come to the meetings with the financial planner because she didn't feel comfortable. She didn't know what to ask. So she started to come to our meetings. She'd bring a notebook and the husband was not being disrespectful. He was like, like, I'm so proud of you for coming here and like taking notes, taking an interest. She said, I'm taking an interest. And I have shared this story for because Rita actually takes an interest in me. That was almost 10 years ago. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart, folks. It is never too early to start. It's never too late. Now, I was telling you about the clients um, who are in retirement. What also works the other way, um, one of my clients sent me a message and said, would you take the time to meet with our son? He's 23 years old. I met with their son for 15 minutes via Zoom. 
right? And I do this with a lot of the children of my clients. I help them set up a Roth IRA recent grad. Folks, when you treat these young adults with respect, they're going to show up prepared. Like they show up, they have questions, they address me by Ms. Chang. They're so appreciative. I don't violate confidentiality because they're the client, right? But somehow they're going to tell their parents like what happened, not in a bad way. The parents send me a message like, Rita, we just want to thank you for taking the time to meet with our son. It really means a lot. That is how you engage the next generation, right? I mean, talk to them a little bit about how to pay his student loans, how to set up Roth IRA, um, coach him on how to use DocuSign, 15 minutes, right? I'm not the parent's financial advisor. I'm the family's certified financial planner. Oh, I cannot imagine a better last line and a line to really sort of bring together everything we've discussed today. We are the family's financial advisor and what we know about wealth planning and retirement planning is it's about life plans, right? We are literally helping folks to create a plan for their best life. Um, so I am so thankful, uh, Rita, for joining me today. I can't wait for um, the wealthmanagement.com audience to hear all about um, your journey, your experience, and um, really excited for you to join us at Retirement Income Edge in Nashville in December. Thank you so much. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Wealth Management Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.ishares.com to learn more. S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data, and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Industries are unaffiliated entities.